we're all familiar, or most of us are familiar with the verse that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, speaking of the cross, I will draw all people to myself. And a lot of times, the way we think about that verse is I'm gonna draw people to salvation. But he doesn't say, I'm gonna draw them just to salvation. Salvation is the beginning of him drawing. He is drawing us closer. Deep is calling to deep. This This is an intense message on the heart of God today. And so... Um, we're going to read, we're starting a new series called Becoming a Friend of God. It's from the life of Abraham. The title of the message this morning is An Invitation to Friendship. And so here we go. Genesis chapter 12, one through four. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And then we have a little commentary in Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith, says this about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed, and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. Let's pray. Father, would you draw us? Would you open our eyes, open our hearts? Lord, there are many, many things pushing us and pulling us in our culture. Lord, would you draw us? Holy Spirit, would you fill this place and draw us? Let deep call to deep. Give us grace to respond to your calling today. God, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. So point one is this. God calls few people his friends. In fact, the only person that God says was his friend, that God himself said, this is my friend in the Old Testament, was Abraham. In Isaiah 41.8, God said, he calls Israel descendants of Abraham, my friend. James references Abraham alone as having the high honor of being called the friend of God. And when Jehoshaphat is praying about those who are attacking him, he reminds God that he gave this land to Abraham, his friend. So what was it about Abraham that he got this designation? What can he inspire in us that would make us called the friends of God. It seems that God has many servants who obey him and many children who believe in him, but very few friends. To be a a servant of God is, is to say, God, I will obey you, and a servant obeys because of the reward he's going to get for obeying and because he doesn't want to get the punishment he would get for disobeying. A child 
loves his parents because he needs or she needs her parents and, 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 and they need all the things that they have and they love them because they, they need them. But what is this about friendship? Just because you're a servant or a child of God does not necessarily mean that God calls us his friends. Here is what I've learned about kings. Kings have few, many people that say that that they're the king's friend, but a king actually has very few friends because of his power, because of his riches, because of his ability in a moment to promote you. Everybody wants to be his friend, but it's really hard for him to know who's actually a friend. And I was thinking about David. And there's different lists about David and all the people that were serving uh, under him. And in one of those lists, it's, it's got his, his counselor was Ahithophel and the head of his army was Joab and it gives who his recorder was and it, it gives all these overseers that did this for him and did this for him and did this for him. And then in First Chronicles 27, 33, and then it just says this. And Hushai the archite was his friend. Shouldn't David say, these are all my friends and here's what I've got them all doing. And, and I'm sure that at some level they were all friends and that's why they were chosen. But there was one that had this designation. He kind of stuck out as this guy has no agenda except that he is my friend. So what does, what does friendship look like. I think it starts with loyalty over time. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times. And that's why you can't decide you're going to be God's friend. I mean, you can decide you're going to try to be God's friend, but God's not going to tell you he's his friend until you've endured a few things. (laughs) Until you've loved him, not just when it's good, but you've loved him when it's bad. That you've loved at all all times. Loyalty is absolutely central to friendship. Absalom, who was David's son, he rebelled against David and he got his own group going. And at that time, David left the city because he didn't know whether he would be the king or not. And of course, when you, when you leave and you're no longer in power and you're no longer the one, that's a real test. And one of the guys that went with him is, is Hushai, the archive. And he goes with David and David says, thank you for coming. I appreciate your loyalty. But right now, if you really want to help me, I want you to go, go with Absalom and I want you to confuse the counsel of Ahithophel. And so Hushai does that. And he goes to Absalom and I think it's very interesting that Absalom, even though he's kind of a scoundrel, He understands what friendship is. The first thing he says to Hushai, he's like, you shouldn't be with me. You should be with David, your friend. Why are you here? Friendship means loyalty. He is David's son, but he's certainly not David's friend. And at least he knows it. But he knows what friendship should look like. And he's like, why aren't you with your friend? And Hushai gives something. But my point is this. What are we looking for in a friend? Somebody that is loyal to us over time. What else is part of friendship? Friends know and understand each other. Friends like each other. 
Friends have shared interests. Friends, friends want to spend time together. Friends help and protect each other. Sometimes we need a friend. Last March, this is just a few months ago, I, I was very tired. We had a vacation coming up. We were going to Baltimore to be with my son and his family. And I, I, it had just been a long stretch of ministry and I was tired, but, but something else had happened to me in December. I had two pastors that I thought I was really close friends with in 24 hours, two different pastors, completely different situations. They both did things to me, said things, did things that made it, I became very aware very quickly these guys are not as close of friends as I thought they were. What, what they did, I would never do to them. And if I did do it to them, I would apologize. And the explanation is, is they don't think of me as the same way I think of them. And have you ever had that happen when you think you're really close to somebody and, and it's like they don't, they don't share that. And, and, and you get the surprise once in a while too where you don't realize how much somebody cares for you and then all of a sudden they do something. It's like, oh my, you just took our friendship to another level. I mean, both, both happen. But I was just down. I was a little, just a little discouraged and I needed a friend that had skin. So I call my sister, Katie, who lives in Virginia. So she's a couple hours away from Baltimore and Katie, Katie and I have been very close. She's a Christian. She loves Jesus. And we've been connected. She's the middle girl. I'm the middle boy. And we've just been really close friends. And, and, I, and I called her. And, and she had commented, we play bridge every week online with all, all of my siblings, or two, a couple of my siblings play, play bridge together. And that Thursday night, she had said, Tom, you seem a little down. Are you a little down? Are you, are you? And I just said, you know, maybe I'm just tired. But I called her. And I said, Katie, I said, I, I, I hate to say this, but I need you. I know her husband doesn't like her traveling. He wouldn't want her to come over. He wouldn't want that. I, but I didn't care. And I, and, I, and, I, and I pulled the friend card. I said, Katie, I said, I don't, I don't want to remind you of this, but when you had cancer, I flew out there. I was there. I, I, I was by your side. When you had the book launch in January, I came out there. I was behind you. I supported you. And honey, I just, I need you to come over. I, I, I know that it's going to cause friction. I know I need you to come. She's like, I'm all over it. And so she came out the last night we were there. She came at noon and stayed overnight and actually took us to the airport the next day. And what, what great thing happened? Here's what happened. We laughed. We prayed together. We played games together. We chatted together. It was just very renewing. Sometimes we just need somebody that we absolutely know is our friend. We don't have to perform for them. We don't have to impress them. We just, we just need to be with them. So we're, it turns out we're not necessarily God's friend because we say we are. Here's Proverbs 26. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Ouch. So the human race will quickly say, I'm your friend. I, I, I'm here for you. 
But when push comes to shove, oftentimes they're not. And it's really important that we have a little self-examination. Am I God's friend? Just because I say I'm God's friend, that doesn't mean we're actually God's friend. Does God call me a friend? John chapter 2, 23 through 25. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Because he knew all about people, no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Jesus loved all these people, absolutely. And many of them believed on him. And when you believe on Jesus, you become his child. But just because you're his child doesn't mean you've gained his trust. He only trusts his friends. So God can love you and you can believe in him and you can have a relationship. And trust me, Jesus is your best friend. I will guarantee that. No greater love does someone have than this, that they lay their life down for their friend. Jesus laid his life down for you. He is your best friend. Whether you are his enemy or you're his child or you're a servant, I'll guarantee you he is your best friend. But that doesn't mean you are his friend. It doesn't mean that you have gained his trust. So then you say, Pastor Tom, what about the apostles? He called them his friends, right? Well, listen to the passage. This is John 15, 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Well, he calls them friends right here. Does he? Why does it say if? If you obey my commands, then you're my friend. And then he gives what a friend is. They lay their life down for them. And within 24 hours, all of these guys are going to forsake him. (laughs) Peter's going to deny him three times within 24 hours of this. So I actually think they come to a realization in our own strength We're not going to be friends of God. We're not reliable enough. But there's another great promise in these last, these chapters in John that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And and I believe to answer the call of friendship is to say, Holy Spirit, come and help me be a friend of God. Help me be better than just human loyalty, human friendship. Make, Make me a friend of God. So today we we are calling it an invitation to friendship. How do we we start this process of becoming God's friend? First, and it's actually point two, is valuing his invitation above our control. It says this about Abraham. By faith, he went out not knowing where he was going. So he gets called, he's living in Haran, and God says, I want you to go out, but he doesn't tell him where. He he says, I want you to leave where you are, and then I'll show you later 
where you're going. And Abraham, it says, by faith, obeys God. Let's unpack this a little. Let's pretend you're Sarah, for instance, his wife. Honey, pack your bags. We're moving. Where are we moving to? I don't know. Come again? God spoke to me. And he said, pack your bags, leave here, and I'll show you later where we're going. But honey, honey, that's the bad news. That's the bad news. There's good news too. What's the good news? Tell me the good news. Oh, if we do this, God says he will bless us. He will make us a a great nation. In fact, he will bless us to the overflow and to where every family on earth is blessed because we did this. Really? Really, that's, that's the good news. So we're gonna leave, just let me, let me say this back to you, buddy, husband. Let me say this back to you. So we're gonna leave a place that we can see where, where we have friends and we have family and we have a house and we have neighbors and we're gonna leave all this for this God that we can't see. And he's going to tell us later where we're going to go. Is that about what this is? Yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. That's about it. Huh. But he's going to bless us if we do this. Yep, that's what he said. To be God's friend, we need to leave the things that we can see, not for something else, but for a person, for a relationship. He leaves where for who? This is the invitation to friendship with God. And I think the fact that he does it, and he does it so willingly, is partly why he got this designation. I want you to think of all of the excuses of why he couldn't go. Think of all the things that he could have said of why why this is a bad idea, okay? For starters, he's 75 years old. God comes and says, Abraham, leave everything and go do this. He's like, Lord, um, love to, but I'm 75 and I've got a bad back and we've already left Ur and we just kind of got settled in Haran. And in fact, my dad died here and his grave is here and we're, we're kind of, and, and Lord, you know how much I love you, but my wife doesn't want to move. My wife's got her knitting circle and, and they're really tight and, and she's finally made friends in Haran and this would be very, very inconvenient. And, I'm, and of course, I'm, I've just joined the Rotary Club and, and, and I, I've, got, I've made some friends here and oh, God, this thing about us, me being the father of nations and all these people, God, my wife is barren. You, you, I think you got the wrong couple. I think you need a young, fertile couple for this great promise. But thank you. Thanks for the invitation. But we're, we're good. We're good to go. We're going to just stay. We're going to stay right here. God spoke and he just went with no qualifications. We used to have an FCA kind of like an advertisement that when our FCAs are the fellowship that we're part of and, and people, pastors would send in 
that they were looking for churches and churches would say, we've got openings for any pastors that want to. And this kind of got cycled around. And I will never forget an ad one pastor put in. This takes tremendous guts to make this. He said, that here was the ad. Pastor looking for church for a church open to God's will anywhere in the Northwest. Does anybody see that that's a contradiction? You, you don't say I'm open to God's will and then tell him where. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Most of us can relate to Moses. Moses, when he is called, very different than Abraham, he says no. Nope. Nope, nope, not me, not me. Can't speak good. I don't, I, I, can't you find somebody else? Please find somebody else. I don't want to go. And God got angry and he said, all right, I'm going to give you Aaron. Aaron will go with you, but I want you to go. And so he basically commands Moses to go and Moses goes as a servant rather than a friend. Now, the, the great news about Moses is over time, he does become God's friend. It, 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 he says that um, that, that God spoke to him face to face as a friend, speaks to a friend. And so I think a lot of us relate to Moses. We start out a little grudging, but God wins us over time and we, 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 there's hope for all of us. But I'm especially interested in Jonah. So Jonah is God's prophet. God tells him what to do. And Jonah says, not, not only am I not doing that, I'm getting as far from doing that as I can. And he goes in the opposite direction. And the, and the reason why is because he's supposed to go speak to the Ninevites. He's supposed to tell them about God's plan for judgment. But Jonah knows that this isn't really about judgment. It's about God wanting to have mercy on them. And he doesn't want them to be warned. He just wants the judgment to come. So he goes the other way. And, and we see God's graciousness with the human race. And, and he gives Jonah a second chance. And, and Jonah finally goes and, and does what he is called to do. And um, then he goes out on this hill and he's waiting to see what's going to happen. And, and, and to his great discouragement with his preaching, there's a great revival in Nineveh. Nineveh repents. The, the judgment that he said, that God said was going to come, did not come. And, Mo, and Jonah's sitting on that hillside pouting and he says, this, isn't this what I feared? You are a God. I knew that mercy was on your mind, not judgment. You are a God who relents from calamity. I knew that this was going to happen and I'm just mad. And so while Jonah's out there in the sun, the sun's baking down on him, God, God lets this plant grow over him and shade him from the sun. And here's what the Bible says. Jonah was extremely happy about that plant. I love my plant. I am so grateful for this plant. And he's enjoying the shade of the plant. Still mad at God, but he's really happy about this plant. And then, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It's, and you go and read this. You're going to think I'm making this up, but it's in Jonah chapter 4. You can go read it. Here's what it says. So God appointed a worm to kill the plant. And I've always wondered what that looks like. Like the worms are all gathered for church. And God says, who will go? And one worm stands up and says, here am I. Send me, Lord. Send me. And so God appoints this worm, kills the plant, 
plant withers and Jonah loses it. Jonah is like, take my life. I, I, I just kill me right now. And God comes and, and, and he comes to us in our little, little temper tantrums and he says, do you have a reason to be angry about this plant? And Jonah says, yes, I do to the point of death. And God's like this. Here's what he says. This is the last verse of Jonah. He says, Jonah, I want you to think about the compassion you have on this plant. You didn't, you didn't plant it. You didn't make it grow. But your heart went out to this plant. And he says, now, I, I want you to try to understand my heart. In Nineveh, there's 144,000 people that are living in spiritual darkness. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. Should I not have compassion on them? And that's how the book ends. It ends with an invitation to friendship. Jonah, you're my prophet, you're my child, but you don't even know what's on my heart. You don't share my values. You don't, you're not thinking what I'm thinking. I'm inviting you into a deeper relationship with me. So last week, Pastor Greg and I were, Dr. Greg Pahachek and I, were in uh, the Dominican Republic. And the first uh, thing that we did was an all-day pastor's conference for the pastors in the north part of the Dominican Republic. And there were 475 there. It was an absolutely amazing day. At the end of the day, we invited pastors to come for personal prayer, and we were there for another hour and a half just praying for pastors, and it, it was just very wonderful. The, Jim and Renee Larson, our missionaries there, did such a great job setting it up, and then we came back down to the south, and in Santa Domingo was, was where we were staying, and for Sunday morning, he sent us out to these small country churches so that we'd get a better taste of the Dominican Republic. And Sunday night, we did youth night. And I've got some stories from both of those. But during the week, we did a pastor's conference, three hours a night, Monday through Thursday, on First Peter. And uh, so three hours of teaching and, and through an interpreter. And these are pastors that are all working a second job. They are always giving out, always giving out, always giving out. And this was them coming just to receive, just to be filled. And, and they, they fed them every night. It was just such a beautiful, beautiful night. And on the last night, we had, if you were in three of the four at least, you could graduate. And we gave graduation certificates to, to 46 of the pastors there. And this one uh, lady grabs my interpreter and come, or comes to me and she's like, I've, I've got to tell you something. I absolutely have to tell you something. And she said, I have been angry with God. She said, I had a failed business and then I've been, a, I've been a pastor and I, it seems like I work very hard and God isn't doing much and, and it's, it's, it, my life is so busy and so difficult and I've been angry at God. And she said, but when you told your story on Tuesday night about how, how God removed entitlement from your heart and that, and that you were waiting for an apology that was never gonna come and she said, and then you said, 
what was happening in the book of Job. For 37 chapters, Job is waiting for an apology that will never come. She said, Pastor, when you said those words, the Holy Spirit came like lightning and broke the burden, broke the anger, broke the entitlement. She said, uh, since that time, since that moment, I've, had, I've been filled with joy. She said, Pastor, you came here. You came here for me. She said, Pastor, the reason why you guys bought those plane tickets and came for the United States to the Dominican Republic so that you could stand there on Tuesday night and you could say that line so the Holy Spirit could set me free. And she said, I want you to know, I am free. <laughs> Hallelujah. She wants to be a friend of God. Last point. To be a friend of God, you have to choose heaven over earth. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10 and 13. By faith, he, speaking of Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. All these people, all the people of faith, had this in common. These people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. When you make the presence of God your home, two things happen immediately. One is there's no place that you can go where you're not at home. It doesn't matter whether you're at church, you're in God's presence. This is my home. It doesn't matter if it's a church, you don't even know anybody. You're at home because you're in God's presence. You're at home at school. Why? Because you're in God's presence. You're, home, you're at home when you're at home. You're at home when you're at work. God's presence goes with you. You go into a foreign country, you're still at home because you're in God's presence. You go into the deepest darkness. You go through a pandemic. doesn't matter what happens down here. You're always at home because you're in the presence of God. But at the same time, you're never at home because my home isn't really here. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an alien on this earth. I'm just passing through as a pilgrim. And even though earth is happening around me, the grip that earth has on so many people, it's kinda, it doesn't hold that big of an interest to me because even though I'm involved with earth and I do the things that others do, I've been made for heaven. I'm called by heaven. I'm in God's presence. So the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. To be a child of God, we choose heaven over hell. To be a friend of God, we have to choose heaven over earth. We do need to choose heaven over hell. Last Sunday morning, we were in one of these churches. It was me, my interpreter, and Renee Larson were at one church, and Greg was at the other one with Jim and his interpreter, and and so it's a, it's, a, it's a country church, it's out there, it's a very poor church, and, but the church, it's Sunday morning, church is filled, and after I got done with the message, I prayed a prayer, I made it very clear, you have already been prayed for, so you do not need to come forward for personal prayer, but if you want personal prayer, we're going to have a couple teams here, and you can forward. Every single person in the church came for personal prayer, and this one young lady came, and honestly, she looked like a teenager. But I found out that she was a mom. She had two, two little kids. And she said this 
when we asked her what she wanted prayer for, here's what she said. She said, I'm not a Christian. She said, I don't, I don't come to church here. My kids come to church here. I drop them off here every Sunday. She did not tell us why she happened to come this Sunday, but she's made it very clear, not a Christian. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. What would you like prayer for? She said, I just want to see what God might do. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I start praying and I can feel the manifest presence of God just starting to rest on her. It's heavy. It, 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 she is feeling it. I know she's feeling it. And I said to her these words. I said, is Jesus knocking on your door right now? She's like. I said, do you know that there's a verse where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. Do you want to open your door right now to Jesus? She's like. I'm like, I'm gonna have you pray a prayer out loud. And this is all through an interpreter. And so she, she, she prays the prayer. She starts crying. We pray a little more. Then she's just filled with joy and she's got a smile. And I'm like, welcome to the family of God. I said, would you mind if I gave you a hug? And I got to give her a hug. It was just so beautiful. That night we had youth night and we had said, we'll buy it. We'll buy all the pizza. You get the kids there. We will buy pizza. Well, I don't think that they thought many kids were going to come because they had a very small place, but 80, 82 teenagers came. And that place was packed. And we were, the whole way it was working was on the anointing. The whole way it was, I wasn't going to do a general prayer. They were going to come up to get prayer. But um, during worship, Jim, our, our missionary, came up to me. He said, I have one word for you, and that word is Harvest. And I'm like, okay. So before I had them come up for prayer, I said, if Jesus is knocking at your door, you need to get saved. You are not a Christian right now. Raise your hand. And 30 kids raised their hand, prayed the sinner's prayer. But many, many others, actually all, I think, Jim said he watched and he thinks all 82 got prayer. I mean, we were there for a couple hours. They didn't eat pizza until nine o'clock and the meeting had started at six. Anyway, many confessed that they were coming back to God and there were many, many tears. But the pastor's wife was excited and here's why she was excited. She's like, I've seen kids pray. I've seen, I've seen kids repent and cry at the altar. She said, but there were girls crying in the bathroom. So if you want to know whether revival has come, it's when people are still crying in the bathroom. That's, that's the sign of revival. <laughs> to be a friend of God, we have to choose heaven over earth. Luke 14, 15 through 20. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. There is a feast going in the kingdom of God. If he, those invited come, they don't just get the food that's been prepared for them. They get the fellowship of that one who has invited them. And, but they, they choose earth over heaven. The one says, 
uh, I just bought some land. Notice it doesn't say I, I, I'm, I'm making a plan to steal land. This isn't hell. This is just earth. The one says I've got oxen that I want to test. He doesn't say I bought some slaves and I want to abuse them. No, this is just legitimate earthly stuff. I'm just, I'm busy. And, and the third one, I got married. I want to spend time with my wife. Notice he doesn't say I've got, I'm planning to have adultery with somebody. This is just legitimate earth things that are chosen over fellowship with God. God is calling and inviting friends to come. So in the original context, Revelation 3.20 is not about God knocking on unbelievers' hearts, even though he certainly is doing that, but it's about the church. It's about a church in Laodicea that, that stopped after they were the children of God, they didn't go on to friendship with God. And Jesus has this feast prepared. And he says, everything, everything I have, everything you need is right here. I've got, I've got gold refined by fire. I've, I've got eye salve so that you could see. I've got, I've got garments of white to remove shame from your identity. But you've said in your heart, I've got enough. I've got what I need. And Jesus is knocking on the church's door and saying, open up. I'm calling you to a higher intimacy with me. Guys, we live in a, the Laodicean age in America right now. Things are so easy and earth is so gripping and it's just easy to, I've got Jesus, I've got enough and I'm gonna get as much of this world. And guys, God is looking for friends in this day. He's looking for somebody that will go higher, somebody that will pay a price, somebody that will press in for all that he has. And so the response in this meeting, and, and I will pray for us now, but tonight we've got a worshiping and waiting from six to eight and, and no guilt, guilt, friendship and guilt don't go together. But I want to invite you out. I believe God wants to raise us up as a church of friends. There are things that he wants to do that will never happen if we're only his children or only his servants. And, and so God is calling us higher. And so I, I want you to consider that, to, to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. But if you're a believer here, and whether you can come back tonight or not, you want to say... God, make me a friend. Holy Spirit, make me a friend of God. I want you to open your arms to receive something from the Lord. Lord, we are only human and we're very attracted to the things that we see and the things that bring quick comfort and the little shade tree that gives us a little shade and we're, we're just very comfortable as Americans. Would you send your fire to our hearts, oh God? Would you burn away lesser things? Could the things that have held us kind of lose their hold, God? Father, for those that maybe have been angry with you, God, would you in a moment, just like you did for that pastor, just, just cut it away, God. Cut entitlement out of our hearts. And then, Father, we saw 15,000 rising to friendship. 15,000 that that said, come on, God, let's go farther. Let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Holy Spirit, please, please burn in us the presence of God. 
we choose to make our home in you God we choose heaven over earth call us empower us Spirit of God make us the very friends of God we ask in Jesus name